Before we get started with today's podcast, I wanted to propose maybe taking a second before you give this a listen, making yourself a cup of tea. I just did that. Um, two green tea bags, a little bit of uh, cinnamon, some spices, a little bit of honey. I lit a candle that I just got from a client of mine that is called, what is it called? Down by the river, moss, juniper, citrus, and pine. Creating a whole atmosphere in my house today. I feel like I need a little bit extra. And if I need a little bit extra, maybe you need a little bit extra too. Maybe you don't have the space to do this right now, you know, to create a little container for yourself. Maybe for you, it would be better to get on your walking shoes and go outside. If you can't do that, maybe sit in your backyard. If you don't have a backyard, sit on a patio. If you don't have a patio, sit by a window. Whatever it is to create a container and space for yourself to be present. And I'm not suggesting that because I think I'm on to something that's, I mean, maybe it will be life-changing for you. I've just been thinking a lot about taking care of myself right now. And it feels extra important. And that's a little bit, that, that is a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. So... To get ourselves ready, to get myself ready, I'm just creating a mood, a container, a space for myself to just be present with myself and with you. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with me, Angie Fado. This podcast is for all the misfits in and out of spiritual community, for all the woods walkers and the tree talkers, all of us leaning into our vulnerability, not hiding mistakes and missteps, but fully embracing who we are. Welcome if you're new, if you're old, if you're sometimes on, sometimes not, whoever is listening right now, I just want to extend a welcome not only verbally, but I'm putting it out in the ether to welcome you in and with with the intent that you will get something from this podcast, but also that you will feel seen, if that's possible, which I believe it is because there are quite a few podcasts that I've listened to over the years where I have felt seen and understood in ways that I didn't think was possible through this medium. My name is Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, they. I am on the unceded land of the Multnomah, Wasco, Calitz, Malala, Tualatin, Bands of Chinook, Kalapuya, Clackamas, Kathlamet, many other tribes that made their homes along the Columbia River. I wasn't sure if I was going to do a podcast today. You know, I've been tossing and turning about it and because I wasn't really sure what I wanted to say. And I've been very clear 
over the course of the few years that I've been doing this podcast that if I didn't have anything to say, I was not going to do an episode or I was going to stop doing this podcast because nobody needs to hear more white noise. We have enough coming at them, enough coming at us. (laughs) Anyway, um, but when I was doing yoga this morning, um, sometimes I do that. I felt like it was important. I would like to say this is going to be a short one. I feel like it will be a short one. But for those of you that have been on this listening journey of this podcast with me, you will know that sometimes I think something is going to be short and then it's not. And that's okay. I do feel like this might be short, but if it's not short for you and you need to take it in... uh, (laughs) You need to take it in sessions. You do what's good for you. When I was doing my yoga this morning and kind of throughout the whole day and yesterday, there is this thing that has been coming up for me. And I talked a little bit about it in my mantra on Monday. And my mantra for Monday was deciding to take a breath, take a rest and take up space. If you would like to go back and read what I wrote around that mantra, please feel free to do so. And I'll put that in the show notes. But it got me thinking because I think for me, that's always a journey, a struggle, a place of tension for me is rest and what rest looks like. The reason it's difficult for me is I think I don't trust myself where rest is concerned. I'll tell you, It's okay for you to take a rest. Please take a rest. Please check in with yourself. And I do check in with myself regularly. And still, that's um, a learning curve for me. And it may be for the rest of my life. I hope not. Um, I know where it comes from. It comes from a parent specifically that is an extremely hard worker and has just learned this last year, probably. My dad just turned 80, so it's my dad, full revelation. He just learned to rest, and he's probably still not very good at it because he had to. He has injuries. He has a condition that he has to manage. I mean, he's 80. So that's where it comes from. It comes from immigrant parents of his that didn't know how to rest and frankly couldn't rest and their parents that came over to escape different situations. I won't get into that. Um, But everybody came to the United States for some specific reason. And I think um, a lot of times people that think that people shouldn't take refuge here forget that all of us that live in the United States, not everybody that listens lives in the United States, took refuge here and took refuge at the cost of the indigenous people that lived here. We came here for a reason, most people to get away from something and fleeing something, but because we're down the generations, we forget about that. So I digress. In my family line, there is an idea about rest that I haven't really been able to put my fingers on, like really 
understand it fully, like what is the resistance to rest? But I feel like if I talk about it with you, it's bringing up another thing that's also been going on at the same time. But because I can't get my fingers around it, sometimes to verbally process with somebody helps. So I'm verbally processing with you and I hope that you will find a way to verbally process your own experience. But for me, there is something in there that feels generational that is waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like if I rest, something bad is going to happen. And if I rest, rest isn't rest. Rest is like lazy. (laughs) You're lazy if you take a break. That's what, whether my dad, my granny, her parents, whether anybody intended that to be passed through our family line, it is in there and it is deep. I don't necessarily think, I mean, I think my dad kind of felt this way. Like if he saw people that he thought didn't work hard, there was definitely a judgment about that. And I think probably in my early years, there was a judgment about that. And I think I've done enough work around I'm not saying that there's no judgment, but for the most part, just looking at people and going, I have no idea what's going on in their lives. They're doing whatever they need to do to survive. And so there's less of a judgment around why somebody would take a rest and what they're resting for, or maybe they're just resting because things are hard. So that is something I've been working on for a really long time since I had a back injury that came up for me. And I was forced to rest, but I rest unwillingly. So is that really rest if I'm constantly resting unwillingly? And that brings me to a recent conversation I had. I was on um, a podcast recently. A new friend of mine, Sarah Nelson, has a yoga, a therapeutic yoga practice. And she had me on her podcast talking about chronic pain, chronic illness, and how that kind of, how that shows up in archery, and if I have workarounds for that, or if if I've seen people come with chronic pain or chronic illness, and we were talking about it, and yes, I have. I also noticed when I was talking to her that not one of those people over the years, whether it's a shoulder injury, a back injury, they have visual degeneration that prevents them from doing a specific thing that you have to do in archery to aim. Whatever it is that people are coming with, not one of those people have said, I have a chronic illness or I am in chronic pain. Not one person. So then I go, oh, this is a result of the stigma around people, at least in this country, how we treat people with chronic pain or chronic illness. I think we treat them as if they should get better or disappear. That's how they're treated societally. I think that's wrong. And as I was talking to her, I realized (laughs) that I do that to myself. That I am unwilling to say ever that I am in chronic pain. I rarely owned it when my when I had my back injury in fact 
one time somebody came up to me and said, are you in pain? And I was like, why? Because my eyes were glassy and I was sweating. And yes, I was in chronic pain, but I had learned to not talk about it for lots of different reasons. But the main reason is I felt like it was boring to people. They didn't want to hear any more about my back issue. And why don't I just get well? Nobody ever said that to me, that I internalized that because that was probably coming from within and that generational stuff that I carry from my family. So now, years later, I I don't have a back injury anymore, thanks to a lot of work I did for probably about eight years and Richard Sarno's books. Um, And if I take care of the rage that I hold in my body, for me, that has been the key to my back pain. That's, That's not the key to everybody's pain, but that's been the key to mine. And if I stay on top of looking at that and keeping a very short account with the rage that I have for things that have happened to me and for things that are going on in our world... It helps me manage my pain. And if you're interested in those books, I can put the link in in the show notes. Um, But that brings me to what I'm dealing with now. I have hypothyroidism. I was diagnosed with it in January. That led to another diagnosis of Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disease. I won't go into how frustrating it was to even get a diagnosis. Um, But that has been incredibly frustrating when I I feel like I finally learned to advocate for myself and had been advocating for myself around what I thought was perimenopause. Just want to remind everybody, I am not a medical doctor. And not one time did anybody suggest over the course of the years that I was trying to get to the bottom of that, that I should get a blood test. And I hadn't had a blood test in 10 years. So there's so many things that go go into me holding space for rest and taking care of myself that, that I'm trying to unpack with you today. A big piece of that is allowing myself to need rest. So let me paint a picture, picture for you. If I'm forced to take rest because I can't move. Like with my back injury, that's one thing. I can't move. I'm forced to take rest. For me, it's a lot more complicated emotionally and dealing with generational bullshit to be able to move and not be in pain, but have this nebulous thing like brain fog. You'll see sometimes you can hear me not get the words out properly or get confused. And that is one of the symptoms of hypothyroid is a brain fog. One of the other symptoms that not everybody has, but is pretty pretty universal for people with hypothyroidism is exhaustion. And you don't know why you're exhausted. There doesn't have to be a reason, but when you're trying to kind of get to the bottom of something, It helps to go, oh, when I do X, Y, and Z, or when I do 10 things a day, 
I'm really tired and then I need to rest the next day. I can't put my finger on what does it for me. And I've been dealing with this for six months. Another thing that complicates it is my history. (laughs) So I have a real illness. I downplay it. Like even when I'm talking to you, I can hear this part of my brain when I say I have hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's that wants to downplay that. That's like, well, that's not that big of a deal or that's not a real thing, even though I know it's a real thing. Other people have worse things. And that's a real message that I get that's pounding a part of my brain, even if the majority of me the majority of me is saying, of course it's a real thing. I know other people that have it and I can provide space and compassion for them because it's a horrible thing to have. And yet for myself, with that generational stuff that I've been talking about, it's hard for me to know what to give myself and how to live with it in a way that is generous and loving, which is what I'm trying to get to. So... The reason I'm talking about this is I was pretty leveled. I've been working on this since January. I've been taking my meds. They've upped my doses. I've been getting um, acupuncture. I've been working with a naturopath. I've been on the Mediterranean food program for a month and a half. I have honestly have no idea what's working because it's hypothyroidism is hormonal and so it's hard to understand what messes with it but you do need to eat well you do need to rest well and you need to watch what you're doing so I I've been really good the last couple of weeks I've noticed some big things like brain fog wise but my my energy level has been pretty consistent and then I went and got my blood work done on Monday Monday morning I met with a client I came home, I did my mantra, I did some stuff that I needed to do, felt pretty good. By the afternoon, I cracked a tooth, advocated for myself, which I just, just a little caveat, a lot of times people with trauma or people that have been traumatized in the medical system, I have had both, um, it's really difficult to advocate for yourself and make appointments. That becomes a real thing that I have to put all my emotional energy and talk myself into doing. So just keep that in mind. If that's hard for you, that's normal. And it makes complete sense when you've been brutalized by the system or brutalized in your own family in some way. So I was really proud of myself. I immediately called the dentist. All these things are going on. They had an appointment for me super early the next day. So I got up. Went to my appointment, it was super easy, did some grocery shopping, came home, unloaded all the groceries, was taking a break in the backyard, and then I heard another thing. Like, what have you done all day? Okay, and if somebody else was telling me at this point all the things that they had done, I would go, well, you've done a lot today. You have, (laughs) you've done the grocery shopping, you put away the grocery shopping, you've got all this stuff. And again, that is, I would say, rooted in patriarchy because we don't value the things that 
are typically jobs that women do and people don't get paid to do. And I don't like that that's still in there for me, even though if somebody else was telling me that they did that, I would be like, wow, you did a lot of stuff today. And it's not a contest, it just is. So before Tuesday was over, I had already got my labs back in, had a conversation via text with my doctor because that seems like all you can get these days if you can even get a response back had a conversation with my naturopath about how to proceed because my lab my labs had shown that my thyroid was tanking again that was very disillusioning for me because I felt like I was at a place of getting to the point of level but it's a long journey for most people anyway Some friends of ours texted. They had two extra tickets to go see Hannah Gadsby, the comedian, who I love. Normally I'm in bed between 9 and 9.30. And my husband texted and said, do you want to go? Yes, obviously. So we went out with friends, laughed for two straight hours, went and had a drink afterwards, stayed up way past our bedtimes. And the next day I had nothing. I literally had nothing left. I got up, tried to do things, and could not manage to do much. Couldn't manage to do much. Um, Wanted to exercise, couldn't exercise. I did do my reading that really helps me mentally and did some work around that. Oh, I forgot I had therapy in there too at therapy on Tuesday. Oh my God. Anyway, I look at that now as I'm telling you and I'm like, that is a lot for two days for somebody that doesn't have an autoimmune disorder. But inside of me, there is this piece, the historic piece that says, whatever I'm doing, if I'm not going full out, it's not enough. I haven't earned a break. And I don't know if you carry that in your body. But that is a big deal because everybody deserves to take a breath, take a rest, take up space, take a break. We all deserve that. We shouldn't have to earn it. That is, that's coming from, in my mind, that's coming from colonialism. That's coming from be a good worker. That's coming from patriarchy. That's coming from all these dysfunctional systems that I don't want to be a part of. But yet, those things are inside of me. The things that I tell you, please take care of yourself. Please take a rest. Go in the backyard. Take a breath. Look at a dug fir tree or whatever tree or plants you have in your backyard. Breathe. If you can do gentle movement, do gentle movement. If you can't, lay on the couch and watch Netflix. Take a bath to get away from the demands. Set a boundary with people that don't respect your time. All of the things that I say to you that you should do, I'm also always offering to myself and trying to do them for myself. And fully admitting to you that sometimes I find that very hard. I don't know if it's a combination of the shit that I carry internally generationally, 
the things that I got from my family in our house, working constantly, never resting in what we had done, never like finishing a painting project or my dad finishing the wood floors and celebrating it or taking the motor out of a car, putting a new motor in and going, man, I did good work. Never congratulating yourself on a job well done and then taking a well-needed break. It was always like, how can I make an excuse for this break that I'm taking? Even on vacations, we were constantly moving. I don't, I don't do that. I don't put up with that shit in my own life. But it's still in there. And so the work for me around this diagnosis is what this new way of being in the world looks like for me. How do I pace myself? How do I listen to that voice inside of me that is saying, heal thyself? Or what makes you think you can take a break? Because there's this other part in my brain. It's like when I'm talking to you, I'm visualizing my forehead. And I can see right where that one voice comes from. It comes from my, (laughs) this may sound weird, but I think it's sort of internal family system stuff. Where on my right side, almost all the way to the far edge of my forehead not to the center is a spot where that voice comes from the voice that says heal yourself already and then when I hear the other voice that says what did you do to deserve a break comes from like the dead center like almost like third eye zone and then there's another voice that is constantly like well Todd's at work right now Todd's working, Todd's teaching, what are you doing? This comparison, it's like it is fucking the thief of joy. It's not fucking the thief of joy. It is is, uh, messing with the joy that I could experience just being at home in my body, doing the things I need to do, getting stuff done, or not getting stuff done, taking care of myself. Because the other side is true too. When I am working... I'm not thinking, what the hell is Todd doing at home? Sometimes I am. Like, it got discouraging over the summer when I was working constantly. And Todd and Brennan, I'd come home and Brennan would still be asleep and Todd would be laying around. That got discouraging, but for a completely different reason. Because I think I felt a little bit jealous that they were relaxing during the summer and I was working a lot. But I'm not thinking when he's at home... You know, on a Saturday when he has the day off and I'm up teaching an archery workshop, what the hell is he doing? He should be working. I'm thinking he finally gets a day off because he works on Sundays too. He gets a day off. He should be enjoying himself. And I hope that we get to do something together later. That's what I'm usually thinking. I hope he has the energy to want to go out and do something. Like we like to kayak and I like to hike and sometimes he'll go with me because he's trying to build that into his routine. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is there are so many parts of me that need to give the full part of me, all of who I am, the the mess, 
the humanness a break, the same break that I would offer you and I would strongly encourage you to take, which I hope as you're listening to this, whether you come from immigrants that you know, beat that into you or whether you have another thing in your family that does not give you permission to do something that you need to reflect on and possibly do for yourself, whatever that is, that you can hear the permission I'm trying to give you that I'm trying to give myself, that we need to give ourselves permission to do the thing that is healthy for us that we were not encouraged to do as children. So for me, it is definitely the work thing. There is another thing that I don't think either of my parents ever did, and that was encourage themselves or say, that is a job well done. I have built that into myself. Sometimes I'll come home from an archery workshop and be like, man, I did a good job. That was amazing. I connected. They were shooting in five minutes. There was a good rapport. I do that more often than not at this point in my life because I am proud of myself. I'm proud of myself for building what I've been building and all the people that helped me do it, that encouraged me, that said, wow, why don't you try this? Or have you considered this? Or come to Colorado, like Kathy Escobar encouraging me to come to Colorado and do workshops there. I think eventually I would have gotten there. I would have told myself that it was possible to travel and do these workshops. But I have had people along the way that have either invited me to come and do it or I mentioned it to them. I'd like to come to Texas, like my friend Kelly. Would you be willing to host me? I'll get myself there. Would you be willing to promote it? Could I stay with you? And they were like, yes, let's do it. Now my friend Merida, I met Merida last, well, I met her years ago. She's a friend of my sister's, but last year she was finally able to do the meditative archery. And now in July, I'm going to do two classes through her. She's inviting me to come. I will be there visiting my sister. And we're going to do two meditative archery workshops. So it hasn't been me just making it work. It's been a lot of people along the way telling me I can do it. I have what it takes. I'm good with people. I'm loving, encouraging me in all the areas where I might feel fragile and like I can't make it happen because of the bullshit things I was told as a kid, which I'll get into the next episode. You know, that I'm that I'm fragile or I'm too sensitive or whatever was communicated to me that told me that I was not good enough is what I carried predominantly in me, that I wasn't a leader. I was told that my entire life by my mom, that I was not a leader, that I was a follower, which is total bullshit. And even if somebody is a follower, why is that a bad thing? Why does that become a shameful thing that we tell people? What I'm trying to get at is the things that need to be explored. I'm not saying get in there and start digging away. But as you're listening to me, I'm imagining that something has come up for for you. Maybe it's a very similar thing. Maybe it's similar, but there's a little bit of a different bent or it showed up in your family differently. Like maybe your parents were really hard workers and that translated to you as you wanted to be the opposite for them. So you completely 
disempower yourself in what you're able to accomplish and do? I don't know. All I want to say is, in myself, I see these different parts, these different parts of me that are wanting to be heard. They're in there for a reason. And I want to hear them. And at the same time, I want to say, actually, let's talk about how rest is important. Let's talk about not only for my mental and physical health, my dealing with my diagnosis in a healthy, vibrant way that is has longevity, but also just because humans need what they need and we shouldn't have to prove that we need it. That's what I'm that's what I'm working on. I'm saying it's okay to need a rest and I know for me because of where I come from it's going to take longer for that to sink in because I'm dealing with generation after generation of working immigrants or people, poor people trying to scratch a living out of the ground and then immigrating to the United States, ending up in the brutal winters and land of North Dakota, trying to scrape a living together. Those, those are the people that I come from. So it's not just the house I grew up in, it's the people that I also want to honor while also looking at the shitty things that I got from them. I could say, yes, I'm so glad. I take pride in my work ethic. I am proud that I'm a hard worker and I'm proud that I come from hard workers and I can take a break. And it is important that I learn to take breaks, not when my body collapses. It is important for me to find a rhythm that allows for that. And as you have probably put together, I have not learned that. I want to learn it. I want to learn it with you. I want to be gentle and loving as my body goes through this. So that I'm not just saying to you, be gentle and loving with yourself. You deserve it. But I'm saying... Be gentle and loving with yourself, Angie. You deserve it. And together, we are gentle and loving with ourselves. And we offer that out into the world. We started this podcast today with me saying, make your cup of tea, light a candle, go outside if you can. Whatever feels good. If you can, take a little bit longer or carve some space out for yourself today, tomorrow, sometime in the very near future to spend some time thinking about what we're carrying. What is that legacy that you're carrying that you would like to alter? Maybe you're like also proud that you are a hard worker and where does gentleness need to come? Where does breath need to come? Where does rest need to come? Whatever it is for you, you can set up the same container. Make a cup of tea, get a cup of coffee, do something gentle with yourself to create the space where 
whatever needs to come out, whatever needs to be looked at, can be looked at. Knowing that, like me, it's probably going to be a journey. You're probably going to have to talk out loud more about the things that maybe you don't want to talk out loud about. Because there's probably some part of me still that doesn't want to admit that I have an autoimmune disorder. And that's okay. But making space for that conversation with myself and with others to happen is what I'm trying to be about. Whatever it is, take care of yourself because you are worth knowing, you are worth loving, you are worth being in this world. Remember who you are. I love you.